Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. We're so blessed, church. We're so blessed to have this opportunity to come and sit in his presence, to hear his word, and to get ministered to by him. Welcome to our refuel service. You're all very welcome for those watching online. You're also very welcome. We're so glad that you could join us at this earlier time. And as the clocks went forward, we're still a bit bright outside. I can't promise to have you out before it's dark, but, um, <laughs> but we'll be home probably a bit earlier than what we're, what we're usually home, which is good. So praise the Lord. What a time to refuel the middle of the week. We can't go on empty. Do we realize that? You can't go on empty. You can't you can't expect to be in a place, you can't expect God to put you in a place of putting out, putting out, putting out, putting out. If you're not putting in, you have to be able to fill yourself up. And church is one of the many places we can do that. Come together corporately to meet as a body. Iron sharpens iron. And what a way to come in and sit in his presence and hear his word. I'm thankful. I love weddings tonight, church. I'm so thankful that we get to do it together. Yeah. Amen. So, in recent weeks, um, I was talking on having encounters with Jesus, you know, personal encounters. And that's not just like, you know, your salvation encounter. It, it's about, you know, a daily relationship with him, seeking out those face-to-face moments, seeking his face continually. And I took a wee bit of a break last week um, just because the Lord wanted me to go that direction, just to speak on the faithfulness of God. And we know we all need reminded of the faithfulness of God, yes? We need reminded that He is a faithful God. So I just want to kind of go back into the same sort of um, um, direction that I was going leading up to that. And that was in going that direction of seeking intimacy, seeking that secret place, seeking that relationship, that personal union. And it's not, like we covered, it's not just something you do you, at once, and then you, that's it, oh, we're all good then. It's continual. You know, just like any sort of relationship you have on earth, you know, with your husband, your wife, or any loved one, friend, you know, it's not going to be a good or successful relationship unless you put in, unless you do your part. So it's important, even on, in our relationship with God, that we're doing our part, and we're not sitting back waiting for Him to do everything. So that's the kind of things we've been speaking about. So, you know, um, it's not just about knowing of him or casually knowing him, but to truly know him, not to know of him, but to know him. And there's a difference. You know, wanting to hear his voice above everything else, been so sensitive to his spirit and to his leading that you don't think twice about having to make a decision. You don't think twice about having to make a, a, a particular move in a certain direction. You know, and many times that uncertainty, I, I know, like even for me, that was something that, you know, I continually have to work on. Just, you know, in those moments where you have to make decisions, uncertainty can try and come, confusion. But, the, the, you know, the word says, God's not the author of confusion. He doesn't want you to be confused or, you know, stuck at a certain point. He wants you to be able to hear from him. He's always speaking. You know, some people say, oh, God doesn't speak to me. He's always speaking. He's always willing to speak to us and pour into us, but it's, it's whether we're able to hear and receive. If our receiver box is on the right channel, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. This is what we should desire more than anything, to know him more and more. 
This will only come through intimacy with him. It will only come through that close relationship. It comes when we place him above everything else and we become intentional about seeking those encounters. You have to be intentional. Jesus was intentional when he was on earth. Like he was busy going around doing everything and he is like the, the, the most perfect example that we could take from that of just constantly pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. And he had to go take himself aside and spend time with his father. Go up on a mountain to pray. Go into that place of solitude just where it was him and the father so he could receive what he needed. It's so important, intentional. It's a lifestyle. It's when our hearts become so full of that burning love for God. Passion ignites. It ignites and it spreads. It spreads. You know, and you can't, nobody else can give you desire. I, I might have mentioned that the last time I spoke about this. Nobody else can give you desire. You have to get that yourself. You have to stoke it up. Stoke up the fire that's on the inside of you. That's our responsibility. You know, and people think, oh, I'll get intimate now with the Lord and I'll get, I'll get into that close relationship like such and such has. Or since, you know, if I come to church every week, if I go to all my services and I go to the Bible study and I go to wherever, anytime the church is open and I go to these things and, you know, and, and I, I do what God wants me to do is and I walk in love and I do those things. And it's all a tick the box. It's all about our actions and how we can do things. And that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about, but I guarantee you that when you do become intimate, you will be at, you'll be at, at each church service. You'll be at each Bible study. You'll, be, you'll, be able, you'll walk in love. You'll do the things that he wants you to do and the way he wants you to act because it's, it's, it's just it's flowing out of you. You'll want to be in church at every chance you get. And you know, church, I, 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 I often share that testimony of their two and a half, three years ago or whatever, when it was, um, it was a moment in my life where I really had to up the ante. I had to really press in further. I had to really, you know, stoke up that fire that was there. I didn't want any just little embers lingering. I wanted a burning fire and I had to stoke it up. And I got into the word more and I got into prayer more and I got into to seeking his face more. And you know what? I promise you, I used to drive past, you know, church throughout the week and see all the shutters down. And this was before I even started on staff here. I used to drive past and I'd be like, man, I really wish that place was open. That's the way I was. I just wanted to be there all the time. I just wanted to be at every service. I just wanted to be in his presence. And even when I was at home, I was the same. I just wanted to do those things, just to hear more and more and more from him. And that's what happens. That's what happens. We have to be sold out. It has to be what you desire more than anything. You can't be 50-50 and one foot in and one foot out. It doesn't work. It's exhausting. You'll exhaust yourself trying to live two lives. And it don't, it won't, you won't get very far. It's all in. He wants, he wants all of you. He doesn't want just parts of you. He wants all of you. And what I want to talk about a wee bit this evening is complacency. You know, and complacency is a real danger. It's a real danger. It's a killer. It'll kill you if you, if you allow it get so far. 
And so many times we get complacent about our walk with God, when we get complacent about our relationship and about, you know, the things of God. And like I said, these things can be, these can be subtle, but it's so important to notice them. And I want to talk about a few of those things this evening. It's not a good thing, whether it's complacency due to lack of understanding or complacency due to just laziness. It's not a good thing, and it won't get you in a good place. We say everything is great, like an example. We say everything is great. No, everything's great. I'm, you know, I'm already saved, or I'm saved so, so long, and, you know, or I've done this, and I've graduated from this Bible school, and I have this, and I have that. I don't need to go to church as often as you. You know, I don't need to, you know, be renewing my mind as much. I don't need to be, you know, seeking after him. I don't need to be doing those things. I can just be over here doing, living whatever way I want because I know God loves me. And it's okay because, like, I can just come back whenever I want. No, church, that, you are deceived. The church is deceived if they think that. That's not a good place to be. And that isn't, you know, allowing complacency to come in. We need to keep pressing into him, get into keeping in the word, keeping on praying, keeping on building that relationship. This is why it is, this is why I say it so often that our relation, our relationship with God, it's it's something we need to give to daily. It's not just a few times a week, it's daily. It goes beyond just saying it, you have to act it. You know, your actions will nearly always give you away. It will always get nearly always give you away. So if you're not acting these things out, it, it's, it's a good indication as to where you're at. We must keep that flame burning on the inside of us. The more we spend time in his presence and in his word, the more that flame gets fed. The more that flame gets fed. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, 27, to not give place to the devil. Paul said, do not give place to the devil. It's God's will that he has no place in your life, okay? That he has no place in your life. But what does, what does Paul, like through the Holy Spirit, tell us here? Do not give place to the devil. He's telling us not to give him any place. It's our responsibility to keep him out. Yes? We don't, do, we don't allow him to come in. It's God's will that he should have no place in us. Don't leave any door open that will allow him to come in, distort, and bring darkness. That's what he does. He brings darkness. He brings darkness. The enemy will look to exploit weaknesses. And let's look at a few things here that will help show how important it is to not become complacent in our walk with God. And I want to look at Peter as an example. No, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He gave up his life to become his follower. You know, Peter was, you know, with Jesus every day, okay? He's seen manifestations of his power. He's seen him heal. He's seen, like, you know, the lame get healed, the deaf, like, here, the, the eyesight healed, the blind to see. He's seen all those things. He's seen Jesus work in mighty ways, you know, he, he, I'm sure he, like he would have got one-on-one times with Jesus where he was pouring and teaching into him. He was close. You, you could say Peter was intimate. He, like he had his faith built up enough that he walked on water. He had a close relationship with God, with Jesus. 
Yet, when the time of testing came, Peter denied Jesus not once, but three times. He denied Jesus three times. What happened here, and why did Peter end up denying Jesus? Let's look at some of the events leading up to it and how we can apply it to our lives. You know, Peter's denial is found in all four Gospels, right? I think there's only like 16 accounts. Like, if you read the four Gospels and the amount of things that's in them, the amount of stories and parables and, you know, recordings of healings and everything, there's only 16 accounts that's in all four. That's in every one, and Peter's denial is one of them. And that just shows, shows like some of its significance and some of the lessons that we can pull from it. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And verse 31 the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison or to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the the, that the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you even know me. This took place at the Last Supper, right before the arrest in the garden. So this was Jesus sitting with his disciples, and he speaks, and he tries to warn them, you know, he tries to warn them that a time of testing is coming. A time of testing is coming. To sift as wheat here means to shake apart or break something down. In biblical times, wheat or, or grain was sifted through a sieve or strainer, and as it was shaken violently, the dirt that was stuck to the grain during that threshing process would separate from the good usable grain. Satan's goal was to crush their faith. That's what he wanted. He wanted to crush their faith. He wanted to break them down and separate them from their faith. This is his goal for every believer. This is his goal for every believer, and that's what I was even saying there today that like the Lord was trying to say to us was, you know, he uses like fear and darkness to come in to try and distort, distort the light that's in us. He tries to distort. And by doing that, he tries to, you know, he brings those times, those, those temptations along to try and test where our faith's at. And to see if we will doubt. And if we doubt, that's when we're in trouble, if we doubt. As we, know, as we know, Peter later testifies in his letter to the church that the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8. He's like a lion. He's not a lion. He's like a lion. He tries to make you think that he's a lion. And that's when he uses fear to make his roar sound even louder. He's like a lion, but he's not a lion. He's looking for people to sift, and he's searching for weaknesses in our faith. He's looking for complacency in our intimacy. He's looking for complacency in our intimacy. That's what he's looking for. 
The times of testing will come, and we need to be prepared for them. We stay in that place of preparation by continually seeking after Him, staying in that posture of intimacy, staying in that place. The enemy will want to use these situations to shake us violently, to see what comes off us, to see how we react. We can see from the word that Peter didn't really see or understand what was coming. His response to, to him saying this was, no, no, Lord, I will go with you. I'll, I'll go with you to prison. I'll die. He says over in Mark's account, I believe it is, um, if, any, if everybody else stumble, I won't stumble. I'll never, ever forsake you, Lord. This is what he's saying to Jesus. In Mark's gospel, yeah, he says, I will not be made to stumble. He was overconfident, and that confidence was not in the Lord. You know, it was in his own ability of, no, Lord, I won't do that. I'm strong for you. I won't be able to do that. But he didn't truly understand what was coming. We can even see later on down the chapter, we'll get to that in a minute, in verse 50, Peter was acting, you know, out of his flesh by striking the servant of the high priest, and he cut off his ear. Even though Jesus told his disciples many times and predicted his death and his, and his resurrection, they didn't understand. There's something like 14 accounts when Jesus told them about his death and seven accounts when he told them about his resurrection. And they, they just weren't listening. They didn't understand. You know, his disciples were convinced that Jesus was going to set up a physical kingdom in that age that they were in. You know, he was going to, like, defeat Rome, overthrow Rome, and his kingdom was going to be set up as a physical kingdom. So when all of these things started unfolding with Jesus's, um, when they came to, to get him and arrest him, all, when all of these events started to unfold, they panicked and confused, and they ran off. They didn't understand what was, what was happening. We need to make sure we're listening when he's talking to us. We need to make sure we're listening when he's talking to us. We'll always get into bother when we act on our own strength and in the flesh. When we allow our feelings or emotions control us. And you know, we, you hear me say that all the time. That's a dangerous place to be. We'll end up turning to the wrong things and it won't be good for us. You know, because the devil tries to get you in fear. And when you're in fear, you know, there might be this option and that option and this option and that option. And he tries to make you like pick something in a panic. Yeah. He tries to panic you. To say, oh, do this now. To even, and you're that clouded with fear and confusion that you, you can't hear from the Lord. You're not, like, you're, you're, your spirit man is, you know, it's suppressed. You can't hear him because you've filled yourself up with, you've allowed those other things to come in and cloud your mind. And that's what he tries to do. We'll end up turning to the wrong things and it won't be good for us. We can't make decisions based on uncertainty. Always be led by the Spirit. You know, the Word tells us that the mature sons of God are, the, are those that are led by the impulses of the Spirit. Not by those that, you know, know the Word from back to back. It's those that are led by the Spirit. Those are the mature sons of God. Peter and, his, and, and the disciples. One thing you have to remember, church, when, you know, we're applying this to our lives. You know, we're different than what Peter had in this situation. Peter hadn't been reborn here. Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't resurrected. So he, he was saved the same way as the saints from the Old Testament, you know, through belief in God, but he wasn't reborn. He didn't have the Spirit of God living on the inside of him. He hadn't been filled up with the Holy Spirit yet either. 
that happened at Pentecost. And there's a big difference between Peter before and Peter after. Boldness. Boldness. Like he was afraid to even associate with, with his Lord to go into, he didn't care what they'd done to him. He was going to keep preaching Jesus. They said, you better stop preaching in that name or we're going to kill you. And he says, who, who are you? To, do you think I'm going to listen to God or to man? I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. He didn't care. And then when they knew him, they knew of Peter. So when they perceived that, what's, what, what got into this guy? He's full of boldness now. He shocked them. There was such a big difference. When we are reborn, we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. We can choose to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. When we yield to the flesh, we become complacent. We, get, we allow complacency to come in. When we get filled with the Spirit, we receive power and boldness to do what we need to do. Notice how Jesus didn't say, you know, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. He wants to sift you as wheat. You know, he didn't, Jesus didn't say that this, that this time of shaking and this time of, of testing wasn't going to come. In fact, he goes on to say, no, you're going to deny me three times. It is coming. And you're going to yield to it, is what he, what he essentially said. I love how Jesus tells him here that he prayed for him, that his faith would not fail him. You know, we can see that Jesus, that he was interceding for Peter. And, you know, Peter, like, became a pillar of the early church, wrote parts of the New Testament, you know, allowed mighty, like, God worked mightily through his life. So Jesus, like, him interceding for him, it worked. And, like, later on, I think it's in John chapter 20, where you see Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he was giving him an opportunity. You know, you denied me three times now. You proclaim me three times. You tell me that you love me three times. He's a God of reconciliation, church. He loves us and he wants to bring us back. He wants to bring us back. Don't think that you're too late. Don't think that, you know, you can come back because of the things you've done. He's, he, he loves you and he's waiting for you. What a comfort to know these things. Jesus has given us the ability to overcome every test and every trial. Even though the test might come, but he's given us the ability, you know, like he wants them to test our faith. He wants, it, he, he wants to use them to strengthen our faith. But see, he's not going to put us through anything that we can't handle. The word tells us he won't let us go through anything that we can't handle. That he gives us the way of escape. And it's not a way of escape as, oh, I'm turning your back, running around in, uh, 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 that way in fear, away from it. No, it's a way of escape that, you know, you're going to overcome it. You're going to defeat whatever it is that's trying to come against you. He's provided us the victory. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, it tells us that he always lives to make intercession for us. He is our intercessor, our great high priest. He will take us through that time of sifting. He will take us through that time. Whatever tries to shake us or break us down. So Peter was not prepared for this test. Even though Jesus told him it was going to happen, he was convinced in his own ability to take him through. He yielded to his flesh and his emotions during the arrest. Due to, due to a lack of understanding or not listening intently to what Jesus was trying to tell them all along. You know, I want to show to you now a few of Peter's responses in the events that led up to his denial of Jesus. And these are all areas where we need to check ourselves and ensure complacency has not entered in to affect our relationship. 
to ensure that that complacency does not affect our intimacy. Peter loved Jesus. We've no doubt about that. You know, he, he, he didn't set out to deny him. You know, Peter proved his love for, God, for him on so many occasions. He loved him. And church, let me just say, many of us in the body of Christ as a whole, you know, many Christians, you know, might say that they love him and they might truly love him. But when that time of shaking comes, when that time of testing comes, when that time comes when they're told to stand up and proclaim Jesus, to proclaim what they believe in, to stand up for what's right, many falter. Many falter. And that's the place where we need to avoid. Mark chapter 14. Turn with me to Mark's account for this because I want to show something here. Um, Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. So they're in the garden at this stage. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther, fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass for him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not that I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. When he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It's enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man has been betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. You see, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus told them to pray, lest they enter into temptation. They didn't pray. They slept. What happened? They fell into temptation. They give in to the flesh. You know, it tells us here in Mark's account, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Church, we need to pray. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to be in that place of prayer. We need to be spending time in his presence. These are the things I've been speaking about in, in the past few weeks. You have to get past you know, I hear so many people say, yeah, oh, you know, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same as you. Yeah, I, I know that there's a God. Yeah, I believe that there's something. Yeah, I have a faith that there is a God. No, church, we, like, Christians have to get past the place of just knowing, having a knowledge that he exists and getting into that personal relationship. Knowing him, like I said at the start, not just knowing of him. If you're intimate with the Lord, communicating through prayer, having that quiet time in his word, spending time in his presence to seek his face, it becomes a lot harder for you to deny him or falter in those times of testing or in front of other people. It's going to make it a lot harder to do those things when you're in that place. We can't be caught sleeping. Too much of the church as a whole are asleep with complacency. They're asleep. We're, open the door, we're opening the door to temptation and operating in our flesh. You know, the body of Christ wants us, like as, as the body of Christ, the Lord wants us to wake up and get after what we need to be doing. 
We need to be getting up and getting after what we need to be doing. Where along the line have we, have we made it about us? Where along the line have we made it about, oh, how we feel? And, you know, oh, well, I just want to do what feels good for me. And that doesn't really suit me, so I'm not going to do that. Where, like, where have we got to the point where it's been about us? It's, ne- it's all about him. It should be about him. That's who it's about. We're li- we should be living to please him. Everything we do should be we should do it should be for Jesus this is what our desire is you know and I prayed that out in prayer there as well John the Baptist is one of my favorite verses as it ministered to me so much when John the Baptist said to his followers when they were saying look look John they're they're taking he's taken all of the people to baptize them speaking of Jesus they used to come to you but look they're all going to Jesus now and he was like no 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 you don't understand I'm not even worthy to loose his sandal strap. He is the one we've been waiting for. Less of me. I decrease so he can increase. That's how we should be living our lives. Less of what we want. We need to decrease ourselves and increase him in our lives. Not be in the flesh, walking by the Spirit. Everything we do, we do for him. You know, we need to spend time in prayer. Prayer is important, and you could go way off on this in itself. I'm going to try and wrap it up. But prayer is so important. Prayer is not a formula. There's no such thing as special formulas. Prayer is not a formula to get what you want. It's not a, th- it's not a means to badger God. It's not a means to, you know, beg God. That's not what it's about. In its simplest form, it's, you know, it's fellowship with our Heavenly Father. It's fellowship with our Heavenly Father. It results in intimacy with our Lord. It strengthens us and prepares us. You know, we do it by faith. We know the Word tells us when we pray, He hears us. And when He hears us, He's faithful to to give us what we've been asking for. Church, He's a faithful God like we looked at last week. He's a faithful God. You know, praying in the Spirit and speaking in other tongues builds up our faith. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago when I talked about seeking the Lord. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, speak in, praying in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. That's what it does for us. You come away feeling strengthened and refreshed and ready to go. You will fare much better in the times of shaking when you prepare yourself in prayer. You will fare much better when the, te- when the temptation comes if you're spending time in prayer. Not sleeping not sleeping. Too many of us are asleep. Staying connected to the power source. You know, and I mentioned that just a wee bit at the beginning, but just something that I had to make a decision in my life recently about, in our home even, both of us done it. And it was to, to put away anything that wasn't, you know, put away, we were we, we, we were given too much time to things that weren't feeding us spiritually. You know, watching, you know, spending, you know, too much time with the light of the TV instead of, you know, th- this light, you know, or listening to, you know, messages instead of listening to, you know, trash TV. And, you know, church, I'm not saying, you know, oh, to go home and throw your TV out. Well, I love television. We still watch TV. We still watch movies. But I'm saying I got to the point where I needed to feed myself more spiritually. I needed to put more in. So there was too much. I had, like I said, I had to be intentional with my time. 
I had to be intentional with my time. And it, I'm telling you, complacency is so subtle, it will try and come in in any way, try and get you to, oh, maybe just watch this tonight. Don't, don't kind of, you know, do this study or don't just kind of listen to this message or read the word or read this chapter or this book. And it just gets you to watch something or go out somewhere. And it's like, if, if that turns into habits and then it comes bad habits and then you're down a road where you don't want to be on. And complacency can start so subtle. So we need to be obvious of its signs. Stay in a place of prayer. Don't fill yourself up with rubbish. It, all, it just acts as a distraction. Distractions are not good. It makes us complacent. You know what? So much of the time it just takes us asking him. You know, like, ask him. Like say to him, ask him to reveal to you, Lord, what, what, do you, what do I need to do? Like sometimes it's just a slight shift. What changes do I need to make that will, you know, get me back into that place where I can give you more time? He'll reveal it to you. Ask him to show you these things. As Jesus said, the spirit is willing. So let's endeavor to stay with the spirit. The spirit's willing. So don't be in the flesh. Stay with the spirit. Strengthen your spirit, man. Keep yourself in that place of communication with God and don't allow yourself to become complacent in this area. Peter fell asleep when he should have been building himself up. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Turn with me back to uh, Luke chapter 22 real quick and I want to show you something. Luke chapter 22 and verse 47. So this was after what we've just discussed about, so first we talked about, you know, when they were at the Last Supper and Jesus said, a time of testing's coming, the devil wants to sift you as wheat and you will deny me three times. Then the, he goes on to say, no, 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 I won't do that. Then they're in the garden and Jesus gets arrested. And uh, before he, before, sorry, before they come, you know, he asks them to pray and like we just covered and they said, he, they were sleeping instead of praying. So this picks up right was as his, uh, as the multitude was coming to take him away. Ch uh, verse 47, and while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude and who was called Judas, one of the 12, went before him and drew him near, drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those who were there saw him, saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike him with the sword? So in John's account, it tells us that this was Peter, okay? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, to the captains of the temple and those who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. You know, as I looked at earlier, Peter loved Jesus. He, he, he proved this. Like he was even prepared to defend the Lord. So before he got to, to his denial, he was prepared to defend the Lord and harm this man that was trying to lay hands on Jesus. How many times, church, do we act in the moment and it's not always necessarily what God wants us to do? How many times are we acting on our impulses, on our fleshly impulses, and it's not what God wants us to do? We might think that we're doing something good. We might think that we're doing something for him, but we're acting on our flesh and it's not necessarily what he wants us to do. Jesus even responded here by saying, enough of this, enough of this. No, 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 this is not the way. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. 
That's the last thing that Jesus' hands done before they were bound and pierced on the cross. Another act of love. He healed that man's ear. We need to make sure that we're ready to stand, doing only what he wants us to do to declare and proclaim our relationship with Jesus. He wants us to stand with him. He wants us to stand for him. We have the privilege and honor of having the Spirit of God living in us. So when we're in that place of seeking his face, we'll act accordingly and be so full of him. We'll be so full of his love, so full of him, in union with him, that our faith will carry us through. And it's what we believe in, despite what may come. Don't act on the impulses of your flesh. Down in verse 54, so just after they have arrested Jesus. Um, Verse 54, having taken him away, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. This is another thing that Peter done that I want to point out. He followed Jesus at a distance. He kept his distance. When the disciples seen what was unfolding, they became so fearful of what would happen to them also. They didn't want to be associated. Oh, oh, they're, oh, they're not treating Jesus very well here. This isn't going to end too well for him here. I don't want to, I'm not sure if I want to be associated with this. And they allowed fear to control their actions. Peter allowed space to come in between him and Jesus. And this was one of the reasons that it led to his denial. He was close by the word. He, he was close enough. He was close to Jesus, but he followed him at a distance. Jesus said, you know, it says in the word that he was that close that Jesus even was able to make eye contact with him. Jesus looked at him when he denied him. So he was able to see him. He was close, but distance was separating him from Jesus. We need to always stay in a position where we will be fully identified with Jesus. We need to always stay in a position where we'll be fully identified with him. Don't allow space to enter in. Don't allow space to come between you and him. We're to put him on like a cloak. He should envelop us completely to the point where people notice to the point where people can see him all over us. That's the way it should be. If we allow space to come between us and him, we put ourselves in a dangerous position. You know, church, we can't be identifying with him when we're in here. It's easy to do that. Yes, it's easy to identify with him when we're around our fellow believers. But when we go out there, Are you identifying with him or are you taking those few steps away again, letting that distance be there? Complacency. When that distance is there, it's not good. It's not good. We've no problem proclaiming Jesus and what we believe in if it's in the right environment. But when we get back outside, we won't stand up for what's right. We won't stand up for the truth. We won't stand up for the wor- his word. Regardless if it's going to offend, regardless if it's going to rub people up the wrong way, because I guarantee you it will, it's going to. 
fear of man. Persecution is going to come. Persecution is going to come. If there's space between us, it's because we chose to put it there. We chose to put it there. You know, many times, like I, I touched on that a few minutes ago, many times we don't set out maybe to, to kind of um, falter in these times of testing. We don't set out to do, to do these things or, or, or to deny. We don't set out to do those things. Many times people don't even know what the response is going to be until they're in that position. But I've seen it so many times, church. I've seen it so many times from Christians, you know, and it's disappointing. It's disappointing when you see people and they miss an opportunity to stand up to stand up for him, to stand up for what they believe in because they're afraid of public opinion. They're afraid of the persecution. They're afraid of what will be said against them. We should only be concerned about what he thinks. We should only be concerned about the responsibility that he's given us. That's the only things that should move us. And like I said, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, so he gives us that boldness. I'm not saying these things are easy, but he gives us that boldness and the confidence to do it. He gives it to us. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. There you go. He told us. Those who, so if you're living godly in Christ Jesus, you'll suffer persecution. You often hear us say it in here all the time. If you're not facing persecution, check yourself. If you're liked by everybody, you're doing something wrong. You shouldn't be liked by everybody. You know, you're not going to, you know, yes, we walk in love. Yes, we endeavor to, to always walk in love towards people, but people's not always going to accept us because they're not going to accept him in us. So should we sacrifice what we believe in? Should we put something to the side? Should we take a few steps back from our identity because, oh, I don't want them to not like me anymore. Complacency. Complacency. When we, are, when we live like we're called to live, we will receive persecution. You know, that distance is like putting a target on your head. It's like putting a big, wide, old target on your head, just waiting for the enemy just to fire. That's what it's like, putting that distance between you and him. That's what it is like. It's going to make it very... When you're, without being in that place of union, when I've been in that intimate place, it's going to, it's, it makes it a lot more difficult, church. <laughs> it makes it a lot more difficult to overcome what's going to be coming at you. To not let those things overwhelm you. When you're not in his word, when you're not in that place of prayer, when you're not in those things, when you're not taking those things captive, they, they get on top of you. When you're not in that place with him, it makes it a lot harder. We need to be prepared to give up everything for him. Too many people are complacent and allow that distance to come in out of fear of what it will cost them. They're afraid of giving up something. People, whatever it is, material possessions, whatever. They're afraid of what it will cost them. We shouldn't be hanging on to anything anyway. We give up everything for him. What is it that's so important? What is it that the world could offer us? What is it that man can give us that's any more important than what we receive from him? Nothing. Nothing. We shouldn't be afraid of what's going to cost us. And, I, and I, I want to close with this. It says, you know, 
there's a few more points, and I'll pick this up the next time that, you know, I'm here. I'm teaching on a Wednesday night. There's a few more points that lead up to when Peter denied the Lord. But I want to close with this, and it's, you know, when I'm talking about not being afraid to, to give up something, even if it's going to cost you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Rejoice. Rejoice. Blessed. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Has that happened to anyone in here? People said something against you that wasn't true. People are persecuting you because of what you're believing. People are persecuting because they don't like the spirit that's in you. You're, well, Jesus said you're blessed. So there you go. You're blessed. If you've been, oh, I, I can't, they don't like me. I can't go there. I just can't. They won't accept me. They won't. Good. Good. You know what, church? And it's not that we want to separate ourselves to the point that we can't minister into them. That is what's important. We need to be able to keep ourselves in a position where we can minister to people. But what I'm trying to say is people's not always going to accept you. Stop trying to fit in. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be set apart. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward. We can rejoice in knowing that when people persecute us for the Lord's sake, guess what? He's going to compensate us. He's going to compensate us more than anything that we could ever have lost. We're blessed. The good news is he's graced us for everything he's told us to do and called us to do. He's graced us. We have a grace on our lives that allows us to be able to walk right through these things, knowing that he's with us. He'll cover us and protect us. He'll strengthen us and encourage us. If we keep close to him, if we stay in that place of prayer, if we allow no distance between us and him, stay close to him, in that place of union. We will walk in victory against anything and everything that tries to rise against us. That's good news. We're more than conquerors. We're blessed, so rejoice this evening. Rejoice if things are coming against you. Rejoice if people are saying things that's not true against you. Start only believing and caring about what he says. What he says about you. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come into your house. Oh, Lord, to dwell in your house. Oh, what a privilege and what an honor it is. We love you, Lord. We came to glorify you. We came to worship you and magnify you because that's always what we want to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you, Father, Lord, for the word that was spoken. We thank you, Father, Lord, for what you wanted to sh share with us and show us tonight. Lord, that we won't forget it, that the enemy will not rob us. It will, it will land on good ground, ready to receive. Your, your word says, Father Lord, that, the, that your word is incorruptible. That seed is incorruptible. So we thank you, Father Lord, for that it will take root in each and every heart. And it will bear fruit. It will bear and it will continue to bear fruit. And we will see a harvest from it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We thank you for the influence and the... And, the door that's going to open for us to the people around us so that we not only are in here to feed ourselves, but we can sow in to our, to our 
sphere around us. We can sow into who we are around. We can bless and pour into people. Everything is an inward and outward flow. So we thank you, Father Lord. We build ourselves up. We refuel ourselves on this refuel, we, on this refuel service so we can pour back out, so we can give back out. And we thank you, Father Lord, for the opportunity to turn our worlds upside down. We want to turn our world upside down for you, just like they did in the book of Acts. These are the people that turn their worlds upside down. That's what I want them to say about me, Lord. That's what I want to say, them to say about this house and this church, that we turn this community upside down. We turn it on its head. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Father Lord, for each and every person here. We thank you, Father Lord, as they go about their week, Lord, that they're blessed, they're protected in every way. People that's, like, that's going away, people that's you know, going to work in their homes, wherever they are, Lord, that they're protected. Lord, that we dwell in the secret place. We live there. Father Lord, that you have, that you have, you see what's ahead and you shield us and you guard us. So you lead us and direct us in everything we do. Help us, Father Lord, be examples, be examples of, of who you are. Help us be ambassadors. Help us to walk in love towards you, walk in love and faith towards you and love towards one another. And I thank you, Father Lord, that here at Island Church, we are covered by your blood. We're empowered by your word and we're anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie